In Psalm 78, would you turn there again, please? I'm confident that there are significant answers to situations in what the Lord is ministering to us this week. And uh, answers to things that have perplexed folks. You know, and Peter, he says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Did we hear what that verse said? What did it say? Going to be some trials. And what, what are you supposed to get out of that verse? Don't think it's strange. Or you could say, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. When somebody doesn't like what you're doing. And what you're preaching. Don't fall off your chair. Don't clutch your heart and go, that just hurts me. Like that old ugly letter they wrote to me. Oh, come on. Come on. Grow some thick skin. Put on your armor. Even better. And uh, those fiery darts can't get through the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Can't get through the helmet of salvation. But... uh, Answers to why things are happening and why they happen the way they do. And also, I believe, preparation for what the will of the Lord is days to come. I actually got excited today thinking about persecution. (laughs) I got excited. Beginning to see it, I believe, more through his eyes because... There must be a reason why you're getting persecuted. Why would the Lord be talking to us about some of these things? One reason would be that he's getting ready to pour out some big stuff on us. And we need to be prepared for both the excitement of it and the persecution of it. You believe that? In Psalm 78, verse 40, it talks about how that God's people that he delivered from Egyptian bondage oftentimes provoked him in the wilderness, and they grieved him in the desert. And verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God, or tested him, And limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited. Now you know, it's dumb to test God. What what do you mean by that? Well, people think they're testing God all the time. They don't usually say it in those words. But you ever heard somebody say, I tried that tithing stuff. For three weeks. (laughs) I tried that. Faith and confession stuff. I tried that. I said the same thing for three days in a row. It didn't happen. Didn't come to pass. No, honey. It tried you. And you flunked. You're not testing the word. 
proven it true or untrue. It is true. Whether you believe it or not. And it works. Whether you work it or not. So no, you're not testing God. You're not testing his word and proving it true or untrue. You were tried. And you quit. And gave up. How many believe if you do what he said and don't quit, you will get results every time. Is that right? Every, every time. Everybody will get results every time. If, if, it's a big if, you do what he said and stay with it. If you say, well, I know somebody that they stood on the word and it didn't work. No, you don't know anybody like that. <laughs> you never met anybody like that and you never will. There's just some stuff you don't know. Some things you don't know. I know when I first got a hold of um, uh, just some of the very beginning basic things that we, Phyllis and I, the Lord taught us about healing. I got so excited. I found out we'd been redeemed from the curse of the law. I found out that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. By his stripes were healed. And uh, I mean I had known this about the sum of two months. And one of my uncles was diagnosed with terminal cancer who lived a few hours away from us. And so uh, I thought, well, glory to God, we found the answer. <laughs> Just simple childlike faith. I thought, man, all we got to do is get this to him. He'll be okay. You know, it really is that simple. It really is that simple. If you'll believe, well, it's a lot more complicated. No, no, it's not. And I sent some things, sent some um, cassette tapes to him. Then later on, it was some distance from us. We drove down to visit him. And um, his wife met us at the door crying. And uh, he was about bedfast. And so I uh, went in and talked to him and and on the way out, some of the family caught me and said, you know, uh, thank you for coming, trying to comfort him. I wanted to say, I'm not trying to comfort him. <laughs> We're believing to come out of here. Is that right? So anyway, on another occasion, you know, came back and, and it, it looked bad. I mean, he looks like he could die any time. Almost bedfast, I guess. And, or basically was. And so next time we visit him, he, you know, this is the first time he's ever heard any of this either. And he's not a guy that spent a lot of time in church or the Word. And after hearing some of this, he came to, uh, some of the family was in, I believe it was the kitchen. He came out of the, the, the bedroom and clung to the, the facing of the door. And he could, you know, tell he was real weak. And he said, I'm going to live. <laughs> and they started crying. You know, they started crying, sad, mournful crying. Well, I was excited. <laughs> and we went back home. A few days later, I heard he's out of bed. He's eating. He's putting on weight. Oh, glory to God. He had had cancer of both lungs. And it was spread to the point where they said they couldn't do anything about it. Of course, this is a lot of years ago, too. He got completely well, went back to work. Somebody say glory to God. 
Well, as you might imagine, I was fit to be. Tired ain't the right word. I was ecstatic. I, I was over the moon, you might say. I, glory to God. I thought, look at this. Just like that. Man, I'm sure we're so excited. Well, what was it a, a year or two later? Another uncle on the other side of the family diagnosed with the same thing. Terminal cancer. Now it spread to both lungs. Nothing they could be say could be done. Well, hey, we've been here before. Is that right? We've been here before. We know what to do. So, well, I, I knew this uncle better. Had been around him more. Lived closer to him. And so I thought, well, man, you know, we know what to do. So we, we came and visited and talked and brought tapes and, and talked about healing. And, and uh, he, he acted like he was glad to see us. And, and I'd say, man, let, let's say this and let's believe this and, and let's pray this. And he did. He followed right along with me. And, and he got worse and worse and died. Well, sometimes it works. And, wow, you just never know what God's going to do. See, that's when, going back to whenever, That's when these unscriptural doctrines of sometimes it's not his will to be healed got started. When somebody prayed and it didn't work. And I was puzzled. I thought, Lord, why did it work so good that time? And he didn't get healed. He died. And there was some of the other folks and. Friends that were kind of like, mm-hmm, I told you that stuff. Not right, and nothing, you know. It's whatever the Lord wants to have. Well, we went to the funeral. And I happened to be standing by a relative that was talking to another relative. And I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but it was they were talking real loud. And I'm just standing there. And they began to describe a day that they were talking to this man. And I realized that's the same day that I was there. And I heard them describe how that five minutes after I left the room, he called them in, picked out his casket, told what songs to sing at the funeral. Is he expecting to get well? Is is he? No. See, he was talking along with me, but he wasn't believing that. He was believing he wasn't going to make it. And unless you've been there and overcome it, don't knock anybody. Right? And there are times when it gets, it gets so weary that you just think, man, I just, I'll just go home. And unless you've been there personally and overcome that, don't talk. But unless I had seen and known that, it would have been puzzling to me. But as I heard that, I thought, well, he wasn't believing But when I was with him, it sounded to me like in my inexperience that he was. Why am I saying that? Because you never met anybody that believed God and it didn't work. And you never will. There's just a whole lot of stuff 
that you don't know about. That's going on in people's hearts and minds and lives. Come on, are y'all with me? Do you understand this? His word does not fail. It does not return void. Hallelujah. And faith in him, nobody that ever trusted in him was let down, disappointed, made ashamed. Never. Never. So if it looks to you like the word didn't work, faith didn't work, God didn't come through in the situation, have enough sense to realize there's just some things I don't know about what happened there. But I can know this. I can trust God and stand. And if I won't quit, he will come through for me every time. Somebody say every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. They turned back, it said, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, uh, can you limit God? Obviously you can. In the 8th verse, it says they were a generation that set not their heart right. Verse 37, he repeated it, that their heart was not right with him. So it was heart problems that resulted in God being limited in their life. Now, go with me, please. We looked in uh, Genesis the other night, uh, talking about Cain and Abel. But building on that, go with me to John, please, the 15th chapter. If you haven't been with us, take advantage of the materials. You can go online, download Monday night, Tuesday night. If you're in the, in the buildings here in Sarasota, you can go get a, a, a disc. It uh, won't cost you anything. Just get it and catch up with us. Because uh, one is built on another. And in uh, Genesis, we saw where that uh, Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. Cain brought an offering, and it just says he brought an offering. But Abel said he brought of the best and the fat. He brought fluffy. (laughs) And the Bible said uh, God did not respect Cain's offering. But he did have respect to Abel's offering. The offerings matter. They matter more than many want to admit. The Lord's really helping us. From my perspective, I'm seeing some things. I hadn't known what to do. I hadn't known what went where. And man, he just brought it to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So when it really gels and it really just booms, you need to understand, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's me. (laughs) But uh, we see that when it happened that God didn't receive and wasn't pleased with Cain's offering, but he was pleased uh, with Abel's offering, Cain got mad. The Bible said he was wroth. The word means he burned with anger and rage. And what did God ask him? Why? Why are you so angry? Angry about what? And angry at who? 
Did Abel pick out Cain's offering for him? We have no reason to think that he did. Is it Abel's fault that God didn't receive Cain's offering? Is it Abel's fault that he's blessed of God because he wanted to give more than most people do? Should I say that one again? Is it Abel's fault that he's more blessed of God? God blessed him more because he loved God more and wanted to give more to God than other folks did. What's wrong with that? What's bad about that? But it made Cain so mad he wound up killing his brother that he grew up with. For all we know, there's four human beings on the planet. Plenty of places to go if you want to get away from this man. Why? 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 Because the truth wasn't pretty. For Cain to admit the truth, what would he have to admit? Abel. Today, in this situation, has demonstrated that he loves God more than I do. And, and, and God means he wanted to give more. He outgave me. His faith was bigger than mine. His vision was bigger than mine. He's blessed more than me. And it's entirely my fault. But it takes honesty. And it takes humility to do that. But how many know what the humble get? Does anybody know? What do the humble? The humble get grace. How many believe he could have come out of that so fast if he'd have just humbled his heart and been honest? But if you don't want to believe the truth because it shines on you in in an unfavorable light. And you don't want that to be the truth. You don't want to look at that. You don't want to accept that. Then if you don't want the truth, there's nothing else to believe but lies. And the enemy will come and give you a lie straight away to believe instead of the unflattering truth. And the lie was, it's his fault. Your brother, it's Abel's fault. Blaming. Is there any blaming going on? in the world (laughs) whose fault is it you know a whole bunch of not everybody but a whole bunch of people that have gotten caught gotten judged gotten sentenced if you ask them why are you inside or why are you serving time not everybody but a whole lot of them will tell you it was the guy that turned them in. It was the guy, is that right, that caught them. It was nothing about you committing the crime. And you, man, you've you got to watch that. It is so deceptive and, and put your mind into darkness and your understanding into darkness. If you are willing to blame somebody else for what you know in your heart, if you'd be honest, is your own fault. But he got to the point where he believed that so much that when he looked at Abel, it made his blood boil, if you will, and he wound up killing him. And what did Abel do to deserve to be murdered at the hands of his own brother? He gave a big offering and pleased God and was blessed of God. 
and was hated for it. Now, that has been going on ever since until this present day. Did you find John 15? John 15, 17. Jesus said, these things I command you. What? That you love one another. It's not a suggestion. He didn't say try. If you can. What did he say? It's a command. It's a command. Did Jesus command us to love our brother? Can we do what the Lord commanded us to do? Could you, would there ever be a justification for coming to the Lord and say, Lord, I tried to love that sorry rascal, but you know how irritating they are. And I just couldn't do it. And the Lord's going to say, yeah, they hurt me too. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what we must understand, it is a faith command. He's a faith God. And it is obeyed by faith. We love by faith, not by feeling. There's a reason why the enemy has worked so hard through the generations to convolute the idea of love. And you've got the word love misused to such a degree that most people don't have a clue what real love is. You know what real love is? God. God is love. And yet people talk about I love my car, I love pizza, I love apple pie, I love the feeling, I love this, I love that. I love you. Well, no, I don't. Sorry. The thrill is gone. <laughs> falling in love and falling out of love. People don't even know what love is. If you love me, you would do this. And people saying it don't have a clue what love even is in that situation. God is love. And he commanded us to love. Say it out loud. Love is a command. Love is a command. And love is a, and love is a choice. Did you know that God's commands are enablings? God's commands are empowerments? When Peter said, Lord, if that's you walking on the water, bid me to come. At that moment, could Peter walk on the water? No. He has no faith. And therefore, no power to walk on the water. All he did was ask a question. Only when the master says, come, come on. How does faith come? Come on, somebody help me out. How does faith comes by hearing? And when Peter heard Jesus say, come on, boy, faith rose up in his heart. And he stepped out in faith and he met the power of God. And he did the so-called impossible. That word enabled him to do what he a few moments before could not do. What about when the Lord tells you, love your brother. Love your sister. It'd be foolish to say I can't because the very fact that he just told you to do it. Means you can. When he told you to love them, 
With the command came the ability to do it if you have the faith to step out on it. Don't say I can't love them. Don't say I can't forgive them. That's not true. You're choosing not to. You don't have to feel warm and fuzzy towards them to love them. You don't have to like what they're doing to love them. It's a choice that you value them and you love them if for no other reason but because they're God's son or daughter and he loves them. And if he loves them, that ought to be good enough for you. Come on, somebody say, if he loves them, I love them too. If they're all right with him, they're all right with me. It's a command. And with the command, there is the enabling. Keep reading. If the world hates you, does the world hate us? <laughs> I'm looking at the crowd. I got all kind of response. <laughs> you know, some of these passages we've kind of avoided. <laughs> if the world hates you, You know that it hated me before it hated you. What are we talking about in this week? Limiting God. Did Cain limit God in his life? Could Cain have been just as blessed as his brother Abel? Or who knows, more so. But was the blessing... The grace for restoration, the blessing for prospering and success, was God limited in Cain's life from that blessing? And who did it? Cain did it through hating his brother. He limited God in his own life. By despising the blessing in his brother's life and hating him for what God had done for him. If the world hates you, Jesus said, you know it hated me before it hated you. How many know the servant is not above his master? You're not going to do things successfully a different way than Jesus did them. And if he got this response, you're going to get the same response. You It's going to be the same. Keep reading. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, or that's why, the world hates you, which is nothing but envy. You know why the world hates us? Because we are the chosen ones. God picked us. Y'all just think y'all are God's little favorites, don't you? Uh huh. That's right. You got that right. God, what does chose mean? He picked us. Not because he plays favorites, but because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows who would love him and who wouldn't. Who would believe him and who wouldn't? And based on that, he chose us according to his will and plan. 
And whether unsaved people know it or realize it or not, if something grates them about us, it's a spiritual detection that we are chosen ones. The redeemed of the Lord, the highly favored of God, and the blessed of the Most High God, creator of heavens and earth. Am I talking about you? Am I talking about you? And when you realize this, if somebody starts hating on you because you're God's child and you're preaching God's word and you're experiencing God's blessing, it won't make you fall off your chair. You'll just perk up and go, ha! Same thing happened to Jesus. <laughs> Proof positive. I'm chosen. <laughs> Some are more excited than others. <laughs> Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. The servant's not greater than his Lord if they've persecuted me. They'll also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they'll keep yours also. Did everybody always love what Jesus preached? No. 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 Do you remember his message on uh, drink my blood and eat my flesh? Woo! He lost people, I reckon, by the hundreds or thousands that day. The Bible said they left him and they didn't come back to any more meetings after that message. <laughs> and, and he didn't try to fix it. Read that passage. So read read that, that chapter and see. He didn't go, no, hold on, hold on. Y'all misunderstood what I said. Y'all misunderstood. No, no. He, I mean, you could almost say he made it worse by what he said about it. He's not trying to run after them. Why? Because... What happens here, this shows up what their heart was all along. If you read the rest of the, the, uh, the chapter, it says, For he knew who believed, who didn't, who would betray him, those kind of things. This just showed it up. Why? Because if you really believe in somebody and you really love them, if they do something that you cannot comprehend or understand, you don't say, I'm gone. You know what you say? Well, I sure don't know what he's talking about, but let's just hang around. Maybe he'll explain it tomorrow night. You know? You're not going anywhere, right? But when the first thing that comes up rubs you the wrong way and you just up and leave and you're gone, truth is you never believed to start with. You were just riding a bandwagon because it was popular. And you don't find out who really believes until something comes up that you don't understand. Or that seems like something you don't like or don't don't believe in or don't want. Now we're going to find out who has faith. I mean, he, he didn't run after them. And you remember the twelve. He turned to them. What did he say? Are y'all leaving too? (laughs) It wasn't, please don't go. Everybody else has left. Y'all got to stay. You're going to stay, aren't you? No. No, what did he say? Y'all leaving too? But you can see some faith because they're saying, no. You think they understood? Drink my blood? 
Message? No way. Uh-uh. But they're saying, we ain't going anywhere. That's how you make it in marriage. That's how you make it in church. Come on, are you listening? That's how you make it in ministry. You're not sitting there ready to get offended about something and got your bags already packed. How many say a lot of people, the, the thing blows up, but the truth is they were looking for an excuse. Mm-mm. Somebody said out loud, I'm committed. Jesus, it's me and you forever. I'm going nowhere. Whether I understand or whether I don't, I'm staying with you. All the way. Is that true? Now it will be tested. Won't it? There will be things you don't understand. And you thought it was going this way. And it didn't go that way. There's going to be things. That will challenge you. And test you. Let me tell you what will get you through the toughest things. That anybody could ever experience in life. There will be times. You'll feel like you're pressed. Paul talked about pressed to the point of death. You may be tears rolling down your face. Head full of questions. Other people trying to pressure you. You look up through your tears. Let me tell you what you don't say. You don't say, why God? Why? That ain't all right. Especially for somebody that God has shown himself strong in their life. And done repeat. Don't you do that. You got a right to ask a question, but not to accuse God. How many know that's an accusative tone? Why? That's saying that's, you're not fair. Where are you? Why didn't you? Why aren't you taking care of me? That's accusative. That's accusing His nature. That's questioning His faithfulness. And that's showing you don't believe. You don't trust Him. Let me tell you what'll get you through the roughest places you could ever go through. You look up through your tears. You say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I know this. You are faithful. I call you faithful. I will trust you in life. I will trust you in death. I trust you. Come on, somebody say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you. And I call you faithful. Faithful. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I call you faithful. I call you faithful. I call you faithful. Hallelujah. Keep reading here in this passage. Let's finish this. All these things they'll do to you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hates me hates my father also. This is happening all over the world. See, people, the leaders of religion in Jesus' day, a number of them decided they hated Jesus. But they, at the same time, they thought they loved God. And the thing is, they're seeing God. They're hearing God. And they're hating it. And what they're calling their relationship with God is nothing but a bunch of dead religion. And junk. They don't know God. They're hearing God. They're seeing God. And they hate it. 
And the same thing's happening today. Did you know today we are the light of the world? And God, I know we're not doing it perfect, but did you know that God is speaking through us and manifesting in our lives and through our ministries? And when people see us and they hate us for it, they hate him. They actually are hating him. He that hates me hates my father also. Verse 25, he went on to say, they hated me without a cause. Isn't that exactly what Cain did? Did he hate his brother Abel for why? There was no cause. There was no no reason. Envy and strife is the manifestation of the devil. It is the manifested presence of the devil. Anybody remember James talking about this? Put it up on the screen if you would for us. James 3. James 3.14. He said if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above. But is earthly sensual devilish. For where envying and strife is. There is confusion and every evil work. Notice, if you look at the scriptures, how many times when you see strife, you will also see envy. People are fussing, they're wrangling and fighting. Again and again, if you removed the envy, the strife would stop. And the problem with it is that when's the last time you heard anybody admit they were envious? Now, I don't want to see any show of hands or any testimonies right now. But I want you to ask yourself, have you ever been envious? I assure you, you have. You have. And you probably didn't acknowledge it. You probably did not call it what it is. How are you going to repent for something? You're not even admitting it's happening. Can you see the subtlety of the enemy? But where there is strife and wrangling and fussing and fighting and confusion, there's envy involved in it, and there is the manifestation of evil. Everybody said out loud, envy Envy. is evil. evil. It's evil. We talked about how I believe it's one of the driving forces in the devil himself. In Lucifer himself. He envied God. And wanted to have what God had. And was willing to kill to get it. He's a liar and a murderer. For millennia he has been. Or longer. And you know he envies us as we said. And envy as we looked last night. Wrath and rage is cruel. But it said envy is worse. I mean, somebody gets mad at you, they may hurt you, envy will kill you, murder you, premeditated. Do we see that with Cain and Abel? I mean, how many brothers got mad at each other and didn't kill each other? Got real mad, real upset. But envy is a murderer. A murderer. Somebody say, by the grace of God, I will not yield. To envy. envy. The Bible said envy 
is why the elders of the, the Jews killed Jesus. Is that right? Matthew 27, uh, 18, the Bible said Pilate knew that for envy they had delivered him up. Pilate, an ungodly man, no doubt. It was obvious to him why these people are dragging Jesus in here, trying to get a judgment against him, because they're envious of him. They're envious of him. And you see also it was the same reason Paul had so much trouble. Exactly. Go to Acts 13, please. Acts 13, verse uh, 43 or so. Paul and his company preached, and uh, they had a good crowd. They were given opportunity. And afterwards, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. You talk about a good service. They had a good service. And a lot, many of the Jews, everybody say many of the Jews. Many of them were following Paul and Barnabas around. They're asking them questions during the week about Jesus, about the gospel. Everybody's happy until the next Sabbath day when almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And they had never had such crowds come to hear them speak. When the Jews saw the multitudes, saw the big crowds, come on, what happened? What happened? They were filled with envy, which gives birth to hate, murderous hate. How many can see it doesn't get much more devilish than this? Right here. Is this the devil or not? Filled with envy and begin to speak against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, now get this, saints, get this. What were they saying was the problem? We take issue with his doctrine. They were contradicting the things Paul was preaching. We take issue with his theology. We take issue with his teaching and preaching. Was that the truth? It was not the truth. What's their problem? Big crowds. Big crowds. Biggest crowd they ever had. (laughs) And friend, this is what we're talking about at the beginning of the week. It kept bothering me. I thought, Lord, why do people get so upset? Why do people get so upset about us preaching abundance? Why does that make people so mad? They're not upset with our doctrine. They say they are, but they're not. I said they're not. That's not what's bugging them. Oh, now they're probably hard to get them to admit it. What are they choking on? (laughs) They're choking on sowing and reaping the blessing of the Lord, manifestation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of 30, 60, 100 fold. God giving us buildings and equipment and planes and boats and good crowds and getting on TV and 
Being able to pay the big bills. Come on, are you listening? That's what it's about. Folks will try to tell you it's not, but it is. That's what it's about. Oh, they're denied up and down, but that's what it's about. If it wasn't, then you would not care about somebody you don't even know. You just wouldn't care. What's it to you? (laughs) Notice this, though. They were filled with envy. They spoke against those things that were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Such hypocrites. What's happening yesterday? Many of the Jews are excited about this new message. They're asking, Paul, Barnabas, tell me that again. Now, what is that about the Messiah? Show me those scriptures in Isaiah again. Show me. Huh? And it all changed. Why? Big crowds. (laughs) Paul and Barnabas wax bold. Just like Jesus. They didn't apologize for the big crowds. Or the big offerings that go with the big crowds. Or the big buildings. If the Lord blessed you with the fluffy (laughs) and you're willing to give fluffies and reap 30, 60, 100 fold fluffies and God's the one who added it to you how dare you apologize for God why should I try to comfort somebody that they're right in their devilish envy they wax bold And apparently we're not concerned at all if they would ever be invited back here or not. (laughs) And they said it was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. (laughs) And that made them... Want to kill them. You saw manifestations of this murderous rage. And if you follow the story with Paul and his company, they actually did try to kill him. Is that right? Numerous times. Stoned him. Why? Same thing. Same thing. Did what he tell them, was it true? Absolutely true. But they didn't want that to be true. Said, you put it from you. Did they limit God in their life? Could they have had a meeting in that place? Could they have had a meeting and everybody got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? What a meeting they could have had, which would have included the full benefits of the gospel, all the healings and and abundance and prosperity. But they didn't have it because they rejected it in hypocrisy, claiming it was on doctrinal differences. When it wasn't, it was just envy. And so he said, well, somebody else is going to get it. This should have been offered to you to start with because yours is the covenant and yours is the connection. But seeing as how you don't want it, 
We know somebody who do. <laughs> and they will shout about it. They're a bunch of mixed up, cussing, drunken, idol worshiping junk. But they will grab this like a dog with a bone. <laughs> and they will love God while you get left out. And that makes people mad if they're unwilling to repent. Somebody say, I want the truth. No matter how unflattering it is to me, I want the truth. Tell me what the truth will do for you, saints. It will make you free. It'll make you free. Somebody say, it'll make you free. It'll make you free. Go to Genesis, please. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the blessing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How about you? I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He's been so good to me. I make no apology. I make no excuse. God is amazing. And he will bless you. (laughs) And that's true. (laughs) You needed a good laugh, right? Right there, right there. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 I actually got a revelation when we were uh, believing God and seeking about what buildings and property to get down in Sarasota before the church ever began. We it took us a couple of years to get some things settled in our spirit about we did not think Florida was where we were going at all. But I won't go into it, but that's how we wound up there and actually had a a witness about the right place. I was talking to a man, Phyllis and I, to a businessman who apparently was a person of some means who had a big property there. It was not something we wound up getting, but he was trying to sell it to us. And he knew we had come down there in a plane. And he had planes. And he's asking me about the plane. We're in his office. Never been there before. Don't know this man at all. And uh, he asked about the plane. About us flying there. And uh, I said yeah. And I told him what we had. And uh, I started to explain to him. How we use it. And to go back and forth between the churches. And how we probably couldn't do both jobs Unless we had that tool and, and how we go to conferences and come back. And he said, well, he said, you don't have to justify it to me. And I kind of sat back in my chair and I thought, you know, I don't. <laughs> and the spirit, he went on talking about some things, but uh, the spirit of God was dealing with me without realizing it. I had gotten into this. This thing of trying to explain. Who is he? He's not a 
board member in the ministry. He's not a partner. In the, come on, are y'all with me? Why do I need to explain to somebody why we have what we have and do what we do? Can you see, we need to be delivered from this. Because there can be some remnants of people trying to shame us. Now, if you lied to get it, and you stole to get it, and you took up money for an orphanage and went and spent it on a plane, then you got something to be ashamed of. If you'll repent, God will forgive you. But how I many know that that is despicable? But if, as it was the case with this, the plane we have, like what we're doing right now with our new project, it's bought with money that was specifically designated for that only. If we'd have spent the money on anything else, it would have been crooked and dishonest because the people said, we want this to go on that. I'm not just talking about me and the ministry. I'm talking about you. Beware of trying to explain everything and justify anything. Because it's the, if God blessed you with it, if it came, it's not what you have, it's how you got it. And if it came the right way, by the blessing of the Lord, you should feel no shame and no need to explain, to justify it at all. And that boldness will be a witness to those, it'll surprise them. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm just talking about you're confident in what God has done for you. You got nothing to be ashamed of. God did it. (laughs) Some of you got to chew on that a little bit. (laughs) Hallelujah. You don't need to make any excuses for God. Do you? No. Never. Where are you in the scriptures? Genesis where? Did you pick it up? (laughs) Did you pick it up? 29. Genesis 29. (laughs) Actually, uh, go to 30 and we'll back up a little bit. That's different, isn't it? Because we're usually backing up the other way. 30 verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children... What'd she do? She envied her sister. And then she put pressure on her husband. Give me children or I'm going to die. In verse 2, he got mad. He said, am I God? (laughs) Again, getting back to why are you mad? Who are you mad at? But I want you to back up now to the 29th chapter and the 31st verse and get ready to shout. I said get ready to shout when the Lord saw that Leah was hated what did he do opened her womb (laughs) but Rachel was barren then verse 33 she conceived again if you'll keep yourself in the right place the more people hate you for the blessing God's going to open you up come on he's going to open you up Can you see why I said I got to shouting about being persecuted today? 
It must I thought, oh, you hate me because I'm blessed? Say it again. <laughs> Why? Because God will do it as a witness. As a witness. His blessing, his healing, his restoration, his abundance is to be a living witness in a dark world. But if we say we don't believe in it, if we distance ourselves from people who preach it for fear of getting persecuted, then we will limit God in our lives and ministries and churches. And we will forfeit things we could have had. Are you willing? To go outside to the camp with Jesus. And bear his reproach. Come on are are y'all listening? Are you willing to take some heat. And persecution for the gospel. And identify with him. And with those who stand strong to believe it and preach it. Because if you do. God will open up your life. And the more people hate on you, the more he's going to bless you. Hallelujah. It's just going to, he's going to give them more to be upset about. You can see it, can't you? You look in people that really believe this and do this. They're not getting diminished. They're getting bigger. And they're growing and they're handling bigger stuff. And the people that were upset, they're really upset now. But do we need to explain it to them? Or apologize for it? No, we don't. No, we don't. They're the ones that are in the wrong. They're the ones not thinking right, not believing right. We don't need to adapt to them. We don't need to be afraid of what they might say and do either. We just need to keep awareness that they're confused. They're deceived. Why am I going to let their deceived notions govern my life? Fear of what their confused ideas might say about me, keep me from being blessed? Keep me from having what I need to have in the ministry to do the work of God? No. I say nay. <laughs> Genesis 37. <laughs> We're making some progress now. Genesis 37. Verse 1. Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, the land of Canaan. Keep reading for the next few verses. It tells the generations and what was happening. Joseph brought to his father his brother's evil report. Guess it's something of a tattletale, maybe. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they what? They what? Why'd they hate him? Because his father loved him. They hated him. And they could not speak peaceably to him. Even when he might not have been personally doing anything against them at the moment, they just couldn't stand to look at him and talk to him. Why? Because daddy loves him so much. And Joseph dreamed a dream. (laughs) And it wasn't just had too much to eat, dream or something. It was a dream from the Lord. It was vision from the Lord revealing the future. Somebody say vision. 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 And uh, he told it to his brothers. 
And they got excited. <laughs> and said, glory to God. That's amazing. Uh-uh. No. They what? They hated him. They already hated him. And now they hated him yet the more. Verse, and he, you know, he told the dream and his parents talked to him about it. And verse 11, his brethren did what? Envied him. But his father observed the saying. In the New Testament, this is brought up. Don't turn there, but in Acts 7 and 9, it says the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. Oh, somebody say, but God was with him. But God was with him. What was it that just they could not handle? The vision God gave him. They hated him because of the love of the Father on his life. And they hated him because of the vision that he had. Because it was a vision that far exceeded their vision. None of them had ever imagined such a thing. He didn't either. God gave it to him. Come on, are y'all with me? This is not something Joseph dreamed up. I'm going to have a, a big this, and I'm going to do a big this, and, and I'm going to be in such power and control, and this is going to happen. No, no, no. God gave him this vision. And it was something he could have never produced on his own. But he was just enough daddy's boy, confident in being loved, that he dared to believe it. He dared to believe it. You know who God's looking for? People that believe he loves them enough and is with them and is powerful enough that he can show them some big vision. Oh, come on, some big vision. And them not choke on it. But actually believe it. But I tell you friend. If you stand up and say we're going to do this. We're going to have this. And we're going to reach this. And if it's more than some other people have done. What should you not be surprised to encounter? Well. Who do they think they are? Going to do this. Going to do that. They hated him because of vision. They hated him because of the blessing. In Acts 9. You don't have to turn there. But you remember the story of what happened when. The apostles came to town. And were laying hands on people. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Yeah. And there was a cat there. Who was a sorcerer. Remember him? And he got saved. You remember that? Bible said he did. Along with everybody else. And then when he's watching them lay hands. You know he's been uh, hoodooing everybody. With smoke and mirrors. And he sees some real power. The real thing. And he's thinking. I got to have that. And he went and offered them money. Tried to buy. He's not trying to buy the Holy Spirit. He's trying to buy the ministry. Of laying hands on people. And them getting the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, Peter was very patient and understanding. (laughs) Acts 8 verse 20. Acts 8 20. He offered to buy, you know, the ministry. And in verse 21, they told him, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. For what? Why? Because your heart is not right in the sight of God. Is that how you limit God in your life? When your heart's not right. They said, repent of therefore this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I perceive that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. There's bondage that comes, limitations. Is it, is it limitation when you're locked up? Bondage that comes from the bitterness. What was this over? This was over seeing somebody anointed. Seeing an anointing that was beyond anything he ever experienced. Now we've talked probably enough about this to this point. But I want to ask you, what do you do with people that hate you? Is there any scripture for how to handle this? What do you do with people that hate you? Jesus said, what did he say? Anybody remember any scriptures? What do you do with people that that hate you and mistreat you and abuse you? You curse them. (laughs) Put the hoodoo on them. No. No. (laughs) No. Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your haters. Love your haters. Why? Because there's no defense against love. If you got on your armor, their hate can't hurt you. But no matter what they do, they can't stop your love. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. This is as far from envying as you can get. Envy results in hatred. But love envies not. Go to the scripture, everybody. Go to the scripture. 1 Corinthians. 13 and 4. I know I'm giving you a good bit of scripture, but I don't know of a better way to say it. How many if we read a verse, nothing I say after the verse is going to be better than the verse? (laughs) 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind, even with haters. Tell me what the next thing says. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. You can poke it and poke it and is still not upset. Thinks no evil. All of it's wonderful, 
But come back to verse 4. The Young's literal translation says it like this, and I like this. It says, literally, this is Young, who authored the concordance. He said, the love does not envy. The love. Not talking about what the world calls love. We're talking about the love. You can't envy people you love. You can't love them and envy them at the same time. When you start envying them, you're not loving them. If you're loving them, you're not envying them. The two cannot happen at the same time. It's too quiet in here. We've talked about this already. How can Cain envy Abel if he's happy about what's happening in his life? Abel has pleased God. The favor and blessing of God is on him. If you care about Abel, you're going to rejoice with him. Is that right? I said you're going to rejoice with him. What if you can't stand to rejoice with him? There's only one thing happening here. You're envious. And you don't care enough about him. You're not making a choice to love him. Friend, what we're talking about, it doesn't get much more important than this. This is the New Testament command. It's God himself. He is love. And it will deliver us from any and every tentacle of jealousy or envy. Come on, can you see this? It will absolutely strip every one of these strongholds of the enemy out of your life. So that he no longer has place to manipulate you. To lie to you. To move you to rage and bitterness. He just will not be able to do it. Because the more your brother is blessed, you're just going to be so happy for them. You're going to rejoice. Didn't the Bible say rejoice with them that rejoice? I'm going to say it out loud. Rejoice with them that rejoice. If your brother has been blessed and he's happy about it. Come on, tell me your response. Come on, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? No matter what kind of feelings come to you or thoughts or what kind of plans you had up in your own head that don't seem to be working out, do you care about your brother? He's having a good day. I said he's having a good day. He's having a good day. So what are you going to do? He's rejoicing. He's coming telling you, glory to God. God did this for me. Maybe it's something you've been believing for for a long time. (laughs) And he's got it right now. And it's something you really, 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 really want. And really, really want to do. Are you really so petty and so selfish that you can't be glad for your brother? It takes the two big things. The two biggies. Love and faith. Love meaning well, I, I'm so happy for them. No matter what's going, I care about them. I'm happy it's happening for them. Faith, it'll happen for me too. 
Is that right? Maybe not today, but some way, somehow, it's going to work for me. God's going to take care of me. I don't have to covet his or hers. I don't have to envy them because mine's coming too. Mine's coming too. And the great truth, my friend, is that at that moment, when you choose to override your selfishness and rejoice with them, you just qualified. I said, you just qualified for God to do the same or greater for you. Hallelujah. 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 If you get upset, if you get mad, then you judge yourself unworthy of it. God didn't take it away from you. You judged yourself unworthy and you limited him. Can we grow up and quit being carnal and quit being selfish? You know, the Bible says if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise. You're, you're acting foolish. Our church. There are churches that are not as large as our church. And there's a lot of churches that are way bigger than our church. What if somebody hears what the Lord does for us? And they're not happy for us because it's more than what they're experiencing. What just happened? They judged themselves unworthy of it. What if Phyllis and I, you know, we're doing everything we know to do, but somebody else's church is a hundred times the size of ours in the outreach. And all we can do is feel miffed about it. Well, I'm doing the best I can. What's wrong? That's what's wrong. If I can't be happy about Brother Joel Osteen's church, do they have any haters? Do they have people, you know, talking bad and saying they have issues with doctrine? What's the truth? What's the truth? Envy. They're not being honest. Oh, they, they would deny it. <laughs> but the truth is the truth. Can I be genuinely happy that their crowd eclipses ours? Can I be genuine? Come on, are y'all listening? Do I care if people are getting saved and healed and delivered or not? What if other people start churches in town? Right here, our little town of Branson. Some of our people. <laughs> well, the truth is, they're not my people. Is that right? And I like what an elder said one time. Uh, uh, a man came to him, he was just livid because somebody had started a work in, in his town, close to his church. And he was, he's, you know, Bitter and envious. And he said, uh, you know, this is just... And the man stopped him. He said, wait a minute. He said, in just a few days, you're going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. 
Do you want to be personally responsible for this whole city? Just you. <laughs> he said, the guy teared up and said, Lord, bring some more people. <laughs> How many understand any time you're not glad over your brother's blessing? I don't care what the other circumstances are. You're wrong. And you got a heart problem. And if it gets too big for you to enjoy for them, then you know you'll never have it. Or even get close to it. Maybe it took all the faith you had to get that used $3,000 car. And you hear of her brother goes and buys him a brand new Rolls Royce. And his uh, car would have paid your church off three times. <laughs> and fed people and financed a mission work for a year. Oh, oh did I lose somebody? No. <laughs> I, I, lo- I lost somebody. <laughs> if you can't be, if the brother wanted the Rolls Royce, And he got it the right way. He sowed seed. He was willing to sow more than most people do. He had a vision bigger than most people do. And he stood and reaped it and got it the right way. And he's happy because he's taking delivery of his brand new 2015 Rolls Royce today. And you can't be happy for him. Then you will never have anything close to that. You have judged yourself unworthy of it, and you have limited God in your life. Is God big enough that he could have his Rolls Royce, and we could still have everything we want and need? (laughs) Or is is the brother buying the Rolls Royce, is it going to tilt the economy for the church? So that God can't take care of all of it. You see how small people think God is? Come on, tell me. If you care about him, what do you have to do? Did I lose somebody? What? He just got his new Rolls Royce. Huh? He's a brother. He's a brother. He's a brother. Okay, now let me help you out some more. He's a preacher. Uh oh, uh oh. Uh. Can a preacher be a brother? Yeah. Well, he must have one ordered. Not yet. But what do you care? What would you care if I got it the right way? Why would you care? But. If you didn't care all that much about me, for your own sake, you should not limit God in your life, and you should rejoice by faith that he trusted God, they trusted God, and look at here what God has done for us. Hallelujah. They got their building and built it out and paid for it ten times faster than you did. Come on, tell, tell me, tell me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you happy about it? It's wonderful. 
Are we all in the same kingdom? Is it, is it all the same body of Christ? Is it? When one member is honored, when one member is honored, what's supposed to happen? All the members are supposed to rejoice with it. And you know what will happen? Maybe you're not being honored today, but they are. And maybe next day me and you are not being honored, but they are. If we rejoice and have a party every time they're having a party, we have a party every day. Because Is that right? Because somebody, somebody's getting blessed. Is that right? We have a party every day. We're rejoicing all the time. And we're keeping the scriptures. So we rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me, with me, with me, with let us, 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 us exalt this name together. On Monday, brother got his house. On Tuesday, sister got healed. Come on, are you listening? On Wednesday, brother got his church building. And if we really love each other and care about what's happening, then we rejoice like it happened for us. And that manifests the love of God. Doesn't it? This other stuff is ugly. Ugly. Your brother's had a breakthrough. Something that she or he or she's been standing for for years and, and you stand there all sour. Somebody has to go to the back of the room and say, is everything okay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. If that's true, you're listening to the devil. You are yielding to the devil. And you are capping yourself. You're limiting God in your life. Back, uh, oh, I guess it's been 25 plus years ago now. Phyllis and I, the Lord was teaching us some things. We had practiced some things in faith and prosperity and had been blessed some and increased and, but had some challenges and lack and at the same time and I began to seek the Lord earnestly about it and he dealt with me that our priorities weren't what they needed to be we weren't really putting him first and he dealt with us about tithing uh, we weren't tithing properly and um, so I had a brand new car and we had a pickup. And then Phyllis had a car that we had believed four years before that somebody gave her a brand new car. And uh, the Lord dealt with me, sell that new car. Because our, we were making payments on it, and then we're paying the insurance and these other things. And that added together, we were tight to be able to give anything. How many of you don't think about your giving after you make a bunch of other commitments, you think about your giving first. And the Lord dealt with me. You, I, he said, son, this is what he said to me. I don't mean I heard a voice. But he said, son, I, this car, I don't care if you have ten of them. But this is not where you are right now. And your priorities are wrong. You're putting your personal things more. You're using your faith more to pay this insurance and payments and all this stuff than you are to put money into the kingdom. So I, in seeking him, I, I just knew I need to sell this. So I did. I lost money on it. It was just a few months old. But I sold it. But I still had my pickup. And the Lord dealt with me, no, sell that too and ride with Phyllis. 
And, and we talked about it. We just said we're not going out eating so much. And so I did. And she was gracious enough to let me ride with her. For <laughs> A lot of times I'd have to wait. She worked in the admissions office at Raymond. I, I, I was a teacher and some other things. And so a lot of times I'd have to wait. But it was good for me. I'd had a car since I was 13. And now I'm uh, waiting for Phyllis to give me a ride. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, what we did is we freed up our finances that were going that way, and we began to be stronger, better partners with ministries, and we, we upped our giving, and we genuinely began to put God first in our finances. How many of the scripture says, where your uh, treasure is, that's where your heart will be? And uh, so anyway, that went on for a couple of years. And uh, we came out, and we got clear of some things, and some things we got behind on. We got caught up and got ahead. The Lord blessed us. He had mercy on us and helped us. And I knew we could get a car now. But we weren't at new car able to get. You know, I've learned some things. Don't try to operate beyond where you really are. And so I found a used Corvette. That had, I don't know what it had, 20,000 miles or something on it. It was a few years old, but it was low mileage. It was real clean. It was real nice. We got a real great deal, and this is what we can do. And I thought, that'll be great. I can drive to school in that. (laughs) (laughs) And get on the interstate without delay. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) uh, anyway, some friends of ours, we we found this car in St. Louis, Missouri. We were in Oklahoma. And uh, we had become friends with Brother Dave Crank Sr. and, you know, pastor and minister there in St. Louis. Well, we we made the deal to get the car, and so then we came up, I guess it was on a Saturday, to pick it up. And it's a big deal to us. It might not have been a big deal to to some folks. It's a used car. You know, it's it's not the most expensive, but it's a Corvette. And, (laughs) And... We're able to get it, and our priorities are right. We got God first. It's a big day for us. It might not appear to it just to anybody, but it was to us. Well, he found out about it. He said, can I come meet you at the dealership? I said, yeah, sure. So we got there, and when we pulled in, Brother Dave Crank and his wife and his two boys, and uh, they were standing there all uh, dressed up, smiling. And he said, so we're taking delivery of the Corvette today. I said, yeah. He said, here. He gave me a new Corvette jacket. Gave me a new Corvette cap. <laughs> Man, I'm already having a good day. Come on, come before I get the car. Well, we get the car. Again, it's, it's a used car. He said, can you come by the house? Can you come by the house just a few minutes before you go back home? Well, you know, it's a, it's a drive. But we said, yeah. Oh, man, we got there. He had a big barn. And he said, pull the car on here in the barn. And, and, and the boys were in there. And he pulled up some chairs. Uh, the car's over here. Pulled up some chairs. He said, sit down right here. Sit down right here. So we sat down. And, 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 and his, his, well, he said, honey, could we get some sandwiches and some things like that? And so, man, she made us some sandwiches. And, and, and he said, boys, get over there and, and check on that car. Well, they started washing it and, and waxing it. And, and I got up. He said, oh, no. No, he said, that's what I made those boys for. And, uh, <laughs> and he sat there with me 
And he oohed and awed about the tires and the wheels and the color and the this. It's a used car. It's a, but he was rejoicing with me years later. I'm still talking about it. He genuinely was happy for me on what I, what was happening in our life that day. Can you see that, friend? This is a sign of a right heart. This is a sign of love. Is that right? Don't just care about yourself, but care about your brother. Hallelujah. How many think we could practice this more? We could take opportunities that we have to do more. You don't have to have a bunch of stuff to be happy because somebody got blessed. Little things can make a big difference. Go with me in closing, I think. Two, hallelujah, Numbers, the 11th chapter. This is one of the two verses I was talking about. Somebody said, you already mentioned two or three. Oh, those were extra. They were just <laughs> not planned. Hallelujah. Can you rejoice with your brother? Can you be happy with your sister? Can you? Even over a small thing. If it's a big thing to them. If it's a victory, it's a victory. Did the scripture say rejoice with them that rejoice? Then should we do it? Should we do what the Bible says? You in numbers? Good. Put up Philippians 2, 3. You stay right there in numbers. (laughs) Stay right there in numbers. Philippians 2, 3. Well, I said 2. This is one of the two. Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, do what? Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The mind of Humility. Jesus said, come, learn about me. Out of all the things he could have said to learn about him, what did he say? I am meek, humble, lowly of heart. And he said, and you'll find rest to your soul. You'll find rest. Why? It is fatiguing. Staying mad all the time. (laughs) It is so wearisome. Staying upset about what somebody did or didn't do for you, or why God hadn't done this for you yet, or why this is what it is so fatiguing. And it reveals pride and envy in a wrong heart. And when you get free from it, you just, ha, you breathe a sigh of relief. And you can actually just forget about yourself and shout with them. And it's fun, and it's freeing. And it's qualifying. Now I've heard people say this. They say well now. You know I don't feel like. I'm no better than anybody else. But uh, I'm not any worse than anybody else either. I'm just as good. (laughs) Which is not a scripture. (laughs) Right? Not a scripture. Tell me what the word says. New Testament. Philippians. What did it say? Esteem 
It's not saying they are intrinsically better and more valuable than you. It said you are to esteem them better than yourself. Should we really do that or not? And what will happen is you're more glad for them. You're, you're more happy. If somebody has to wait, you'll say, I'll wait. Get yours. Does that sound like the master? The law of Christ. Bearing others' burdens. Come on, does that sound like Jesus himself? The Spirit of Christ is in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And if we'll yield to that, we will care more about theirs than we do us. And that faith thing that we're talked about, you don't even get upset because your faith is so strong. I'm not going to miss out on a thing. Because you get yours today. Oh, no, honey. I can shout with you today, but don't tell me I'm not getting mine because I am getting mine. Maybe not today, but, you know, next week you have to come to my party. <laughs> but I'm not going to be thinking about my party today because this is your day. This is your day. And if anything, I'm happier about your day than I am mine because I'm going to esteem you better than myself. Numbers 11 what, verse 27 or so, and 28, the Spirit of God came down on the elders that uh, had been selected to help Moses. And a couple of them were not in the official group. They're not with them when everybody started prophesying. And so they start, in Joshua's mind, unauthorized prophecy over here. And uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, he said, My Lord, Moses, forbid them. Tell them to quit that. Quit that prophesy. And Moses said, Are you envying for my sake? Oh, listen to this next phrase. Listen to this next phrase. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit on them. Oh, don't you like that? Don't you like that? Hallelujah. The Living Bible says, or Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I only wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord would put His Spirit upon them all. How different that is. From many. I'm the pastor. <laughs> no, I'm the prophet. Don't be up here acting like you the prophet. I'm the, see, that's insecurity. Don't you like this? The Bible said, now the man Moses was meek, Romans 12, 3, meek above all men that were on the face of the earth. When I was a, a boy, I think, I guess I was. 13 years old, sitting in a chair reading the Bible through for the first time. I got to Numbers 12, 3. It burned in my spirit. The Lord said, did you notice Moses was the meekest, the most humble man in his generation? I said, yeah, I I see that. I'm not hearing a voice. I'm just talking about inside. He said, did you realize he was also the most used man of me? 
in his generation? What does real humility sound like? Not this exclusive. If you've got it, it takes away from me. No. It's this. Yeah, let's all get Rolls Royces. <laughs> oh, did I lose somebody? Come on. Did I let's all get a new Rolls Royce. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Huh? Is God not big enough? To take care of all the money you need for the gospel and feed people. Come on, are you listening? Is he, and do that too. That'd be too much for God to do all of that. What would open up in the body of Christ if more and it began to just, just flow through the body and every time somebody got something bigger or greater or grander than the other, you just heard a ripple of praise and a ripple of rejoicing. Hallelujah. And instead of being intimidated, they were inspired. Hallelujah. And they thought, yeah, I'm going to get one too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. More than one person in our church, more than two, have an airplane. I was talking to one of our men the other night. He's telling us about their airplane they just got, taking a trip. <laughs> I thought, glory to God. Yeah. Ain't it great? And he was saying, you know, I don't know if we hadn't been in this church and been around y'all. and Y'all talk about airplanes. I don't know that we'd ever had one. I said, I know exactly what you're talking about. If it hadn't been for Brother Kenneth Copeland and Miss Gloria Copeland. I'm pretty sure we didn't think about having an airplane. Nobody I knew had an airplane. Certainly not a preacher. And even today, oh man, preachers and airplanes, just the, just the mention, set some folks to cussing. <laughs> but I am so thankful, Brother Kenneth, Miss Gloria. That you didn't let anybody hush you up or push you down. How many know they preached it when it was unpopular? They preached it when it was a little bit popular. Come on. They preached it in places it was accepted and in places it was totally rejected. But because of that, not everybody got happy about it. But some of us got happy about it. I said, some of us got happy about it. And now me and them are flying airplanes. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. I, I want to preach tomorrow night. <laughs> and the next night. But uh, you need to digest this. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord. Let's bless him for his mercy. Let's bless him for his goodness. Oh, Lord, we come on, just praise him some. Just, Lord, we worship you. We worship you. You are a good God. And you are truly good to those whose heart is right towards you. 
Your eyes are scanning throughout the earth. Wanting to show yourself strong in the lives of those whose heart is right towards you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think somebody needs to, to say it. Just close your eyes. Let's all say it together. Lord, forgive me. Anytime I was not genuinely happy and glad about my brother's blessing or my sister's blessing, I judge that as evil. That's wicked. And I refuse to yield to it anymore. Prompt me, set a watch at the door of my mouth. And help me to realize every time I need to stir myself up and be more excited and be more glad about my brother's blessing. In Jesus' name, I shall. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.